0: In the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner.
1: Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the Myrtle Beach New Year's Eve edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist editor with Rick Browning. Each week, we look at sports topics locally, some nationally. We got a great gambling segment. At least it's great if you fade. Probably both of us. And our favorite segment of the show: Ask Me, Ask Skinny Anything. I am. Not bragging. I'm just saying I'm in Myrtle Beach, North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, sitting on my veranda. And yes, it is a veranda overlooking the waves crashing in as I'm down here broadcasting some high school basketball in the in the famous beach ball classic. It's like to tell I'm not going to lie, Rick. Um, being away from family at New Year's is a little tough, but it's made a little easier by sitting here watching waves crash in on New Year's Eve. Uh,
0: uh, first of all, we can hear them. We get it. We We you are bragging and we can hear them. Second of all, it's covid. It's pandemic you you're not supposed to be hanging out with anybody right so perfect that's good reason point. to be on the beach by yourself isolated
1: that's a good call uh, you know what yeah. i feel much better you do, about myself you're doing now.
0: the responsible thing yes I, yeah so I good i feel better about myself now that's what i'm here for thank
1: you uh what do we got rick i know we got a bunch of stuff to get to
0: yep let's jump into it we'll start off with what just happened last night xavier got smacked at CentOS center 85 68 by seton hall the musketeers are now eight and two overall but one and two in Big East play. And so, Skinny, I asked Do you think Xavier's big shooting displays and wins over Oklahoma and Marquette were fool's gold and is actually more like the team we saw through the first five games of the season? Or do you think this team is just taking some time to figure things out after adding all the new pieces?
1: Yeah, I, I think they're, they're still figuring a whole lot of stuff out, Rick, and that, that's the thing. I think it's going to take some 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 time still. And the problem is, um, and again, this is not an excuse by any stretch, but, you know, when you play and then you sit for a week and plus and and you then have to maybe not practice a little bit in there, I just think it's hard to get in a rhythm. You know, if you look at Seton Hall's schedule, they started on November the 30th, and, yeah, they've played similar amount of games as Xavier, but they've had a perfectly staggered schedule. Like, they've played – Then three days later, played again. Then three days later, played again. Their biggest break, actually, was they had a week between this Xavier game and their game before. And that happens, obviously, in college sometimes in December because of finals and whatnot. So, uh, again, I think Seton Hall's good. But I also think the fact that they've kind of looks like had a pretty steady stream of being able to play games has helped them immensely, where Xavier feels like it was start fast because of all the games they played and then kind of a hiatus to everything. And so I I think that's just hard to – Hard to get into a a rhythm, plus fitting all the new pieces in. Uh, Hopefully they can get in a rhythm of playing games, because I still think this is a pretty talented team.
0: Well, yeah, you mentioned Seton Hall getting into that rhythm and just playing regularly. I think that's big in a year like this where things have been choppy and guys have been out for different teams. But the other thing when you look at Seton Hall is their best player, Sandro, is a senior. Jared Roden is a junior who's who's taken a major leap forward this year. Shavar Reynolds is a senior that starts at point guard. Miles Kale is a senior on the wing. Like they have all these guys who have been in the program, know the system. They have continuity there. There's a reason they were tougher than Xavier and they were better defensively than Xavier. And you know they beat them up on the boards. Like that's the type of stuff that happens when you have guys that have been around for a while that are older in the program that have been through the weight room for three or four years now, like that's different. So uh, Xavier's best player is a sophomore. And for the last two and a half games, he's looked like a sophomore now in the second half of the game against Seton hall, Zach Fremantle played a little bit better. And the question is, you know, is he getting it going? Is he kind of breaking out of that slump or was he just, Doing some scoring while Seton Hall in garbage time. Yeah, yeah in garbage was, time was up by 20 yeah. points. That's the question for Xavier. But going back to the original question, I think it's a bit of both that it, there was a little bit of fool's gold there with the Oklahoma Marquette games in terms of how well they shot. And, you know, the team has taken some time to figure things out. My question is, what's the ratio there? Is it like 80 20? You know, they're figuring things out too. There was a little fool's gold or. Is it that closer to that like 60-40 line? Because I, I, there are some concerns that it might be the latter. Coming into the season, they were picked seventh in the Big East. I thought they were a, a bubble-type team, you know? So, I, I had my concerns coming in. We're seeing some clear deficiencies for this team, specifically rebounding. Um, some defense and toughness issues have come up at times, too, especially last night. So, Yeah, I think there are legit concerns that they're not going to be able to put up those outlier, ridiculous shooting performances like we saw against Oklahoma and Marquette consistently enough. And the other things are going to hold them back enough that this may be a 500 or worse team in Big East play this year, and they might be on the bubble or maybe on the the outside of the bubble looking in when it comes to selection Sunday time, that's a legit possibility at the same time, they could still be the third or fourth best team in the big East for all we know.
1: Yeah. I I still think that they're they're more that. I just think it's got, there's too much talent to where, um, yeah, maybe you shorten some guys minutes and give more minutes to some others. And maybe that's what you got to figure out as, as opposed to trying to piecemeal it together. Um, And and that's where I think that they're. I think they will once they do figure it out. Once they get to a to a rotation that they're comfortable with and works, I think this team hits the ground running. The only issue though is, I I just hope it's not a stop start stop start again because I just think for any team having to deal with that, it's it's just it's really troubling. It's really hard to get in any kind of a flow or rhythm. I mean, I know myself, Rick. You know, from a high school perspective, you know, we started back on October what was that twenty sixth? Went for about four five weeks. We were trending towards the start of the regular season. They shut us down for three weeks, pushed us back, and I almost had to start from scratch with everything, and then cram it all, all back in in three weeks. Now, some of it was review, right? So that helped a little bit, but I get some of that stop-start. It's it's hard to it's hard to do. And as much as you you know think kids will do some things on their own, they they just don't. So um, yeah, I I think this this team just hasn't has talent. Um, and and talent usurps all. I I think they'll figure it out.
0: Yeah, I think for the most part, they will, too. Uh, The one thing that's very clear is, first of all, Paul Scruggs and Zach Freeman only combined for eight points in the first half in that game. So that can't happen. And then in addition, they got nothing out of Kiki Tandy, Adam Kunkel, Nate Johnson, Colby Jones, who ended up shooting three threes in the first half for some reason, which is out of character for how he's played to this point. So they can't get nothing out of all those supporting cast guys on the same night when they're struggling. Like Yeah. Some... And you
1: and I, and you and I talked that, that I just didn't think that was going to happen. I mean, unlike last year where you needed Scruggs, you needed, you needed, you know, Scruggs and, and, and Tyreek Jones and, uh, and Najee Marshall to play great all in the same night to have a chance. I didn't think this team needed that, but maybe it does.
0: No. And I, uh, that's supposed to be their strength. Like if they're, if they're going to be good, that is their strength is that they have enough weapons that nights like Wednesday night against Seton Hall are going to be few and far between just because it's going to be rare that one of those guys isn't hitting some shots from the outside. And it's going to be rare that Paul Scruggs and Zach Fremantle both aren't playing well for for a half. But I think that probably goes back to the having 12 different guys, which is a big rotation. I mean, you're trying to keep guys happy. You're trying to see what everyone can give you. Also, a bunch of those guys are new pieces that you you really just don't know all that well yet. I mean, like, for instance, you look at what Ben Stanley did in this game. He comes in and gives you 12 points points, points, in, in, in 12 minutes. And it's like, that's instant offense. At the same time, he didn't grab a single rebound at that forward position in a game. You're getting dominated on the glass and he had some defensive lapses. So it's. What what do you make of that? How does he fit into the equation? How many of Jason Carter's minutes are you willing to give up to a guy who's giving you basically the exact opposite of what Jason Carter does right now? So, those are all the things that the staff is going to have to sort through, and why it, it, it's certainly not time to hit the panic button yet, and why I think both of us seem to be leaning more towards the they'll figure this thing out, and they have enough talent to to get it done, but. You know, I'd be lying and being dishonest if I didn't say there are some legit concerns here about the makeup of this team in terms of they just can't rebound. They're not a very good rebounding team at all. And Zach Fremantle is their best player, but he's also young and, and he's, he's not he's great on the other
1: and he's not great on the other end of the floor.
0: Yeah, he's not very good defensively at all. And he gets caught up in his emotions a little bit. So he's shown the ability to kind of like, you know, if he misses a few shots early, gets a bad foul call or two that goes against him, kind of takes himself out of the game at times. So they're dealing with that, too. So there's a lot a lot going on there and a lot to sort through. But for Xavier fans, it's a fun season, I think, because so many of these pieces are in theory going to be back. I mean, you never know in today's college basketball landscape. But in theory, you got a lot of young guys that are important pieces and you're really getting a look at the, the future of the program right here developing right in front of you. Yeah.
1: Uh, on a related note, uh, I I did see a tweet last night that I guess the Ivanovskis kid is, is leaving UC. I guess John Brandon said it on his radio show last night. Is that I don't want to say is that addition by subtraction, but I mean, does that really even move the needle at all? Either way.
0: Well, I mean, it's it's not like he was going to give you a much higher ceiling from right. what we've seen. You know that he wasn't going to change them, and uh, he was part of the issue they had, which is just that they don't have the right pieces at the four and five, you know, him and vote can't play at the same time because defensively it's a nightmare. You just don't have enough athleticism and he doesn't want to play the five at all, which I think is probably the biggest reason that he's leaving right now because he ended up basically becoming the five with Tari Eason starting at the four. So yeah, I mean, I just, I don't think it was going to work out all that well. Now, do I think it's addition by subtraction? No, I think they're better if they have Ivan on their team, but I don't think it's like the end of the world for UC and I don't think he was going to make the, make the difference long-term for them.
1: Yeah. And I guess then uh, he, he leaves and Diara comes back. So, you know, I mean, it's six, one, half dozen, the other, I guess. And it feels like UC hasn't played in a month and it feels like Kentucky hasn't played in a month and maybe they both need that. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a, it's a reset button time for everybody.
0: With that being said, I've been watching some AAC the last week plus. Are we sure? Like, UC's not going to be in contention for this thing again. In the no, AAC? I think they,
1: I think I think they probably will be because you know I, I think we thought Houston would have, was head and shoulders, and I don't know if they are. I think they're the best team in the league still, but I don't think
0: they're head and shoulders. Yeah, they're probably going to win it, but after yeah. that, I mean, is is anybody better than UC right now? Like, okay, UCF beat them but they were in that game they were right there they could have right. won that game so and UCF sounds like a lot of people think they're the second or third best team so I'm interested to see what happens for SMU when they play Houston on Sunday but I, I mean this this league is I, I wouldn't say it's wide open because Houston looks like the prohibitive favorite but it is not very good this year so I don't think it's time to like fold up shop and think that UC has no chance here
1: no, but you got to start winning some games, though. I mean, you got to start moving the needle in oh, the other direction.
0: For sure. But I mean, I like, I just don't think they're that far behind anybody in the conference.
1: No, right. right. It's not like they're losing by 15 to 18 points with, with no
0: potential answers. I mean, and that, that's like when people start saying, why isn't John Brandon just playing young guys and forgetting about winning games right now? It's like, well, because I think he believes he can still win them. And I don't think he's wrong. Like, they, you know, he did it last year. He, they backed their way into a share of the conference title. So I'm not saying they're going to do that again, but... You get yourself a, a two or three seed, and you you go to the conference tournament if there is one, and who knows what happens. One upset yeah, and, happens, and, and, and you and, can and, win it all and be in the tournament. And the,
1: and the other part is based on the way some of these teams are playing and not playing and how many games get canceled. You don't know how it's going to fall for, for who gets selected and why. I, I just don't think you do.
0: Right. I mean, you're also talking about a guy who came from a conference where – the conference tournament is everything like he played his way into multiple NCAA tournaments doing that. So uh, I don't think he, like this is how his teams typically go. They peak at the end of the year. So he's not going to give up yet. And uh, back to my original point, I just think based on what I've seen from the rest of the AAC, it's not time to give up. If you're UC. No, I agree. All right. Skinny switching gears here. One big storyline. We didn't spend much time talking about during our Bengals post game podcast on Sunday was the play of starting quarterback, Brandon Allen. Allen completed 29 of 37 passes for 371 yards and two touchdowns with no interceptions. Prior to that, he had played in three games, all losses to Dallas, Miami, and the New York Giants after Burroughs' injury. My question for you is, has Brandon Allen done enough to secure the backup quarterback job and make you feel good about it? Or can he do that with another strong performance on Sunday against the Ravens, in your opinion?
1: I think he's kind of already done it. Um, you know, just when you watch him throw, there's just got guy... He, I mean, I, th- I, th- I thought he could rip it. I, in fact, I thought, honestly, some of the Miami game plan um, didn't play to his – a little bit of his strengths a little bit and and kind of bottled him up. Uh, and, look, I know, listen, hey, Houston's a terrible defensive team. They're, they're, they're just – they're putrid. They're awful. Um, but you also got to complete the throws you make. And he made a couple really good ones too. I mean, the one he threw to T. Higgins, and, it, yeah, it was a great catch by T. Higgins, but he ripped that one. The one down the sideline he dropped into A.J. Green – uh, that got him out of a hole um, uh, was a good throw. Um, I think he spins it well. He's pretty accurate. I mean, if you look at his percentage, it's, it's good. Now, some of that is, he, you know, I think in some of his early starts, he was dinking and dunking a lot, probably by design. You know, the Dallas game, he fought him back into that a little bit and looked like they were right back in the ball game. And, and um, you know, I thought he battled there when, when the turnovers were not his fault, the th- three fumbles by three different running backs uh, or two different running backs in, in Alex Erickson. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he has done enough. Um, I, I'm kind of interested in this game against this defense and, and how he reacts to the pressure, because we remember Joe Burrow was completely befuddled by what uh, by what Baltimore did. And, you know, the game plan of, of of trying to throw stuff short against teams playing press coverage didn't work. And that's why Joe held on the ball as long as he did and admittedly did, because he had no place to throw it. Um, I, I want to see how Brandon Reallin reacts to this defense. But, yeah, I mean, listen, you're not going to find a ton of, Huge frontline backup quarterbacks. You know, Teddy Bridgewater when he was in New Orleans was a perfect scenario because he needed to prove himself. Um, he got he got fortunate that um, that Drew Brees got hurt and he got a chance to play and show again that he was starting caliber and then signed the free agent deal with Carolina. But a lot of times, you know, backup quarterbacks are the journeyman Brandon Allen types that you kind of stumble into and um, hope that he can give you something when your starter goes down. And I, I I I feel a lot better with him than I do with Ryan Finley for sure. And so, yeah, I, I think he has done enough already. I, I, but I'm interested to see on, on Sunday. I, I think and he's even talked about it. he wants to come back. He likes the offense. He likes Zach. Uh, I don't think it's going to cost you an arm and a leg to get him back. I don't think there's going to be a lot of suitors for him on the free agent market. There'll probably be some. But I think he comes back at a reasonable price. And for a backup quarterback, that, that's fine. A guy that's proven he can win in the league. And he he's proven now he's won twice. He won once last year, one and two. He's now won this year and proven he can win some games. So, uh,
0: yeah, I think he's done enough. How about you? From Bubble Boy to Burroughs Backup, <laughs> he is Double Brandon. B's Brandon Allen. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm i with you. I mean, I, I think, I, I guess, like, have I seen enough to feel comfortable? I think the word enough makes you feel like you don't want to quite go there. Well, here's my question. Here's, here, here's just, what I've seen a lot but have you seen enough of Ryan Finley to not feel comfortable? 1000%. So uh, um, I guess what I would say is I think Brandon Allen is definitely the backup quarterback going into next year. Right. I mean, like that. What else would you do? Go out and try to find a veteran. You have much bigger concerns going into next year than finding a better backup than Brandon Allen. For no, no, no doubt.
1: Yeah, there, so, and there's no doubt. And, and the thing is, I
0: think any time resources or any energy at all on finding a better player. And maybe Brandon Allen will turn out to be a total dud. But I mean, he looks like he has some potential. And Zach Taylor brought him in originally because of his is familiarity with the system that taylor wants to run so i mean i think that, i think it works
1: yeah there's no doubt and that's part of it i mean I, you know he's he was familiar with zach's system when he, when he was out in la and, and and held a clipboard um i think he's comfortable i think there's something to that too there, there has to be a comfort level of understanding yes i am the backup i get it but i also want to play and i want to be ready when my time is called to be able to go play i think brandon allen fits that to a T. Um, I I really do. I think he understands that he's not a starting quarterback in this league. Nobody's going to sign him as such. But that, you know, in this system behind Joe Burrow, he's I think he's a. I think he's a perfect fit. And I think he's proven that.
0: I was having that conversation this past weekend with a couple of guys. Isn't it funny how NFL teams intentionally don't sign the best quarterback available as their backups? They intentionally sign a guy like you mentioned, who is a clear backup as to not create a controversy right. and make sure the guy understands his role and everything. Co-
1: so, coaches want no part of that quarterback controversy stuff. They want it, none of it.
0: It is really strange. I mean, there are really, really awful backup quarterbacks in the NFL making good money that are going to get thrust into jobs every year just because the inevitability, the inevitability of football and injuries and how that stuff works. And there are much better, more talented players sitting at home every single year.
1: Well, it, it's funny. The, the, the one coach that has has juggled his quarterback situation, I think brilliantly, is Brian Flores in Miami. He's not afraid to pull Tua out and put Ryan Fitzpatrick in and go back to Tua the very next week. Um, that doesn't happen in a lot of places successfully. Usually it's, um, you know, one guy comes in, shows himself, former starter gets mad. For whatever reason, he's made that work beautifully in Miami. It, it just a lot of coaches aren't willing to do what he's done with with, with quarterbacks because they just they want no part of the controversy. They want to have their guy lead their team each and every Sunday that they're healthy. And um, I think you know you definitively have that in Cincinnati with Joe Burrow. And yet you know if something unfortunately happens to Joe again, and in this league it just does, you've got a capable guy to come in and run this run the show. So um, you know, and I think it was pretty clear that that they were. You know, Brandon Allen was healthy. He's clearly the backup quarterback ahead of, of Ryan Finley. That's been made clear with what happened this past week. I mean, Ryan led them to a win. Yes, with a scaled down offense. Yes, with kind of a, uh, a very gimmicky, you know, read option game for him and a package for him. Um, but once once Brandon was healthy, it's no, he's our guy. And so, I, yeah, I think he's done enough. I think he wants to come back. I think it's a perfect scenario.
0: Flores is able to do that in Miami because he has Ryan Fitzpatrick and Ryan. Fitzpatrick right. No, is an that's a perfect guy. educated guy with perspective. And he's like, well, even if I'm a backup in the NFL, it's still a pretty damn good life that I'm living. And, so,
1: and, and that's where I think Brandon understands. I honestly, he's one of those guys. Um, a lot of these guys on zoom that, that we talk to, it's like, okay, we got to talk to this guy. I, I kind of enjoy listening to Brandon Allen and talking to Brandon. He's very conversational. Um, I think he gets everything in the scenario he's in. I, I, I think again, he's the perfect fit for that.
0: Yeah, so uh, what about the team overall? Uh, I, don't, I You know, we don't need to spend a ton of time on this because we've talked a lot about it and, you know, the whole Zach Taylor situation and everything, but just from an overall team perspective, there's been a lot of conversation about what the last two wins meant and if they were meaningful or whatever. Do you think they need a win against the Ravens, an, an improbable win at that, to solidify and, and give meaning to what they've done over the last few weeks? No, I think they
1: need a good performance. I would say a a, a win, though, would absolutely solidify it. Because, look, when they beat Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh was trending in a really bad direction, and they kind of bottomed out in the first half of that Indy game. Because it looked like, man, you know, they'd lost the two games in a row before the Bengals, then the lowly Bengals beat them then the first half against Indy. It looked like they were going to play themselves into a quick playoff exit night-night Ben, And it still may happen, but... Um, They, they really salvaged a lot with that second half. So that win was kind of one of those sneak up and surprise a team that's struggling. And and look, I think we agree. Ben was awful that night. Um, You don't have to apologize for it. That's his problem. Not, not the Bengals problem. And then look, Houston's terrible. Um, You know, right now Houston has a worse record than the Bengals do um, for goodness. Or no, I'm sorry. One win more than the Bengals do. Um, and the Bengals could maybe finish with a better record than Houston, actually. But you beat Baltimore with Baltimore having a lot on the line and playing as well as Baltimore is playing and back to a healthy Lamar Jackson, and they have owned you over the last few years. Boy, oh boy, that would make you think things are trending big time in the right direction. I don't think they do that. I think Baltimore is clearly better. Baltimore wins this game by 7 to 10 points just because of that. But if you play them tough, I think you go, okay, you know, this team kept battling and, Got a couple of good wins at the end of the year, a couple of wins. I shouldn't say good wins, but a couple of wins and played a, a team playing as well as Baltimore was tough, and you're getting a lot of pieces back and maybe another offseason to, to fix things. As we saw with Miami last year, they got a little momentum going at the end of the year. Use their offseason to, to, to upgrade in some spots and played with a lot of confidence coming out of last year, and voila, one year later, they're probably probably—they're well, they're on the cusp of being a playoff team. So, yeah, I, I just need a good performance. I, I don't need a win, but, boy, would a win
0: make you go, wow. If you want to build this narrative that you've been trying to build of late season momentum and guys are figuring it out and all the we knew these days were coming, we knew this was around the corner stuff. This is the way to do it because you have that stark contrast of your worst loss earlier in the season, the game that you were embarrassed the most. If you did turn that around and you beat them in a meaningful game, it's not like it's not like the Ravens are just going to. fold in this one and And you're and
1: uh, and you're playing this time around you're playing a healthy lamar jackson that lamar jackson they faced the first time around remember was dinged up yeah yeah, he barely ran the football um they didn't use their full run game um and so yeah and then you're also playing a healthy lamar this time around too so a huge difference there
0: yeah you you can't take anything away from them with if they if they pull off that win i mean it, it certainly says something and it would be impressive the whole narrative in this city has been weird to me over the last two weeks though because I find like a lot of media members and people that I enjoy listening to and everything have, have, have sort of flipped from uh, two weeks ago, Zach Taylor was incompetent and they knew he should be out and shouldn't be the guy. And now they're ridiculing fans who haven't been persuaded by two wins against, like you said, the Steelers who looked like the worst team in all of football during that game and a Texans team that clearly wasn't trying last week. I mean, it was just clearly mailing in their effort, especially on the defensive side. So I understand giving some credit to Zach Taylor and even saying, look, like he deserves more time. I'm okay if people are saying that, or even they're saying I'm having a change of heart here and and he deserves some credit. I don't get the ridiculing of fans and acting like fans are idiots for not changing their mind. Like I'd be in that same boat. I, I didn't think Zach Taylor was the guy two weeks ago. And just because he won two games that quite honestly, I do think were meaningless games, I don't think he's now all of a sudden some like savant and the savior of this, this organization. I could prove to be wrong, but I I just think the conversation has been a little weird here that how quick we're flopping on this guy.
1: Yeah. And I'm not in that, that camp at all. Um, I'm in the camp that's kind of resigned to the fact of listen, He's he's right or wrong. He's earned his way. I shouldn't say he's earned his way. He's coming back. I mean, at this point that that's, so I've resigned myself to, 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 to knowing that, but yeah, I'm with you. I mean go 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 win some games early next season to prove that you still belong and if honestly you start off 2 and 4 2 and 5 night night I mean you know uh, again I'm going to give you credit and I think credit where credits due he deserves credit for the last couple of wins. And so do the players. I mean, as much as anything else, the players deserve credit for these wins because you talk about dudes that could have mailed it in, could have easily mailed it in. Right. You know, there's a lot of talk of the, the, the Christmas Day practice, 10 degrees. Can you imagine on a two and whatever, two eleven 11 and one football team practicing in 10 degrees on Christmas or Christmas Day, how much you really don't want to be there?
0: Oh, I'm cussing I mean, somebody really. out.
1: No question. Yeah. Um. And yet, it sounded like everybody wanted to be there. Everybody wanted to go to Houston and win. Was preparing to win, and they did. So I think the players deserve a lot of credit for that too. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. I I just think I'm at the stage of just resigning myself to the fact of all right, he's back. That's fine. Um. And now early next season, you need to prove it. It can't be a slow start to next season. Um. It it just can't be. Right.
0: Yeah. That's that's exactly right. And I I'm just. I'm stunned by the amount of people who were definitely Cincinnati sports fans through the 90s, definitely witnessed the Bengals in the 90s and then are just, yeah, and then are just mesmerized by them winning two games at the end of the season after uh, a dismal season like this is the exact 90 script it's exactly what it looked like so pardon me if I'm not going to get uh, so excited and give a, a ton of credit here to Zach Taylor and the Bengals organization for winning two games at the end of a meaningless season like uh, like you said the if he gets through this which I think he will and even if he wins this Ravens game which I'll give him a lot of credit for it'd be a great win and, and be a, hell a great of win, yeah. from the first game against them at the same time there's going to be every bit as much pressure as there otherwise would have been to start next season. I mean, granted, oh, we're no going to have to factor the Joe Burrow thing in there. That's that'll play a role. And, and I get that, but like he, he is going to be, his seat is going to be just as warm. And I'm going to have the same amount of concerns going into next season as I did three weeks ago.
1: Yeah, no, and that's, that's the point of um, you, you want to prove you belong longer term than the next year. You can't start two and four, two and five, one and three, one and five, whatever. I mean, it, you got to start off with, proving that, okay, you're winning meaningful games at a time of the year that matters. Now, now again, this one is a little more meaningful because of what's on the line for, for Baltimore. And again, the fact that they're playing really, really well right now and a healthy Lamar, that would show me a little more, but it still doesn't change the fact that you better get off to a good start next year.
0: Agreed. Well, our friend Lance McAllister at 700 WLW got a conversation going earlier in the week and it created some buzz online. So I wanted to get your take on it. Lance has awarded a Greater Cincinnati Sportsperson of the Year every year since 2014 based on on on-field performance, off-field actions, community impact, and involvement of players, coaches, managers, administrators at the high school, college, and pro level. The previous winners of the award have included Teddy Kramer, Lauren Hill, Jeff birding super bubs and Joey Vado, FC Cincinnati and Rose Lavelle last year. This year's winner was Joe Burrow. The other finalists were Trevor Bauer and Luke fickle.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, those were my other guys off the top of my head.
0: Yeah. So I was going to say, first of all, do you have any other potential candidates that you think could have been included? I think those are the three obvious ones and the right ones.
1: Uh, Jim Herman for winning a PGA tour event. No, um, uh, no, I, I, I my, mean, my vote would go to Luke Fickle. Um,
0: okay, yeah, I, that's what I was gonna ask next. Who was your selection?
1: Yeah, and, and barely edging out Trevor Bauer because Trevor Bauer made made every start that he pitched just so darn interesting. I mean, he he, he absolutely made every start so stinking interesting. Um, yeah, I know Joe and the impact and 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 all of that, but you know, yeah, okay, I guess. But I think it would have meant more if he had somehow gotten them to five and three or six and four in the games that he played, which was going to be a Herculean task, but that's what sportsmen of the year do. They accomplish Herculean things. And while Joe was really good, uh, you may disagree with this. He wasn't Herculean. I thought he did, did really good things. And he proved that he is going to be a really good quarterback in this league. Um, And he overcame some, some deficiencies and whatnot, but you know, to, to maybe, take that award like that i think he needed to win more games and that's sometimes on the quarterback right or wrong so to me what luke fickle has done at uc um that deserves deserves a ton of praise and respect and um listen um while i'm a cincinnati and I'm a, I'm a kentucky grad that's where my allegiance for football lies but i'm not gonna lie to you he's made me pay a lot more attention to uc football than i have since the brian kelly era and um that that says something he's probably done that for a lot of people um just because because yeah. he's interesting um, I don't he's got a little coach speak to him, but I do think I just think he's an interesting guy. And I think he's a guy that um, he, if you if you're a fan of sports and just the way teams are built and 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 how things are done. He's done a lot of things so good in doing that of building a culture and, and an interesting team and a fun. They're fun to watch all those things. Uh, to me, I, I think he's he's the winner hands down ahead of Joe Burrow.
0: I think this is where you get into the semantics of the criteria sure. for the award, right? Everyone's kind of going to have their own personal slant on. And I think that's what you saw a lot when people were arguing with Lance and disagreeing with the, the Joe Burrow pick. And I think that was Lance's reply to a lot of people. is like, well, you're not reading what the criteria was for me. When I think of this award, I think of overall impact and, Well, if you're asking what the greatest accomplishment was, who had like the best year, I think Luke Fickle is the right answer. Although Trevor Bauer, I mean, first Cy Young ever in Cincinnati history. It's tough to argue against either one of those guys. They were both brilliant. They they're accomplishing things that we haven't seen in Cincinnati before. I think. The way I eliminate Trevor Bauer is one. He's always felt like a hired gun to a certain extent, right? They got they got him in the middle of the year. He was terrible to end the year. And then it was like, okay, you got this guy for one season. You probably can't bring him back. And it happened to be a COVID pandemic shortened season. So you only got a few months of it. The Reds didn't live up to expectations. They weren't even able to win a single game in the playoffs. And while he was unbelievable in his playoff appearance, it just is what it is. Like it didn't move the needle all that much for the city. I don't think even though it was exciting and, and he was must watch baseball for a few weeks there, but at the end of the day, it's a few weeks and you know, I think you at least had to win a playoff series for uh, him to be in contention for the award for Luke fickle. The way I eliminate him is, this is still a divided city when it comes to college football. I mean, you you said you're a Kentucky fan. A lot of people are Ohio state fans. A lot of people are Notre Dame fans. So while I'm in the same boat as you, like I've been more interested in UC games. And certainly from a betting perspective, they've been very interesting and profitable over the last two years. So I've been, I've been following them a lot more closely for that perspective as well. I just don't think from a, from a city perspective, they move the needle like that, and not to mention, if we're talking about the entire year, it's really just been this the end of the year. And they deserve a lot of credit because they were nationally relevant with this whole college football playoff conversation. The fact that they they were in the conversation, the national landscape, all season long, that was impressive, and and they kept that going. And they did, that that I think gives Luke Fickle a, a notch on on his resume that that puts him right there and and close. But for me, the reason it would be Burrow is just because it started literally on January 1st last year. We watched him in that college football semifinal, put on the show that he did. Then we watched him in the, 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 the championship and it was inevitable. We all knew. I mean, he's smoking the cigar. He's got the BDJ hat on. He just became a, an instant legend in our city right there already. Just to start off January, we had the whole lead up to the draft. Everything that came after that, the city buzzed about Joe Burrow. I can't think of a single day where Joe Burrow wasn't on my social media feed or for some weird reason on my mind. I mean, it was just impossible to avoid Joe Burrow. I can't say that about Trevor Bauer. I can't say that about Luke Fickle. Those guys weren't in my social media feed every day. They didn't cross my mind every single day. Joe Burrow was on my mind every day, not because I wanted it to be, just because it was that omnipresent in this city over the last year.
1: No, that's well-reasoned, and that's probably the correct answer, but I, I got to give my own honest vote, and that, that's why I give it to Luke Fickle. Um, just because, like I said, uh, I, I think I think you need to do Herculean things to to, to do that, and Joe didn't quite do it, but your, your thought is well-reasoned, and it probably is the right call, but if I have a vote to cast, my vote's going Luke Fickle's way.
0: Uh, I get that too. I mean, it's really hard to argue against Luke Fickle, and especially because of the college football playoff conversation
1: and it started that's the funny part it started with some people myself included in nationally joey galloway before the season started of hey don't look now but you see might have an outside chance to get in the college football playoff and then that was some of that was was tempered by you know the big 10 coming back and that was kind of a conversation before the big 10 opted to come back because it right. felt like there was a an extra open spot there um but uh, you know, and to me, that that's where the kind of conversation didn't start for UC November 15th college football playoffs. It honestly started before the year even even began. And they lived up to all the expectations
0: of that. That's the biggest thing. They carried it all the way through a lot of times that, you know, you lose that game and it fizzles out really quickly. Sure. And then it's like, okay, whatever, you know, I mean, the, the UC fans still really care about a, a 10 and one season or whatever it would have been, you know, with, with COVID and everything. But who else really cares in the city if you're not a diehard UC fan so I mean they made everybody care about the college football conversation if nothing else so and then
1: and then for those that were probably not UC fans but maybe sports fans and on the fence it was kind of the man they keep picking on the little guy the little guy's not getting a chance at this because the big guys are not letting them have a chance at this and it kind of was almost a, a mini rallying cry from from other people myself included that Hey, why are they picking on the little guy here? So, uh, yeah, I, I, your, your thought on is completely well-reasoned, and you're, you're probably 1,000% right that that's, that's who should get it. But I'm, I'm just I'm going with what Luke did. I thought he did, did great things to the point of making him extraordinarily relevant for a pretty
0: good period of time. All right, let's go to our betting segment where I made up some ground on you, but you did hit your three-team teaser last week.
1: Yes, I did. Good for me. I, 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 that that pulls me out of the teaser hole because I've been in in a in a big time teaser hole where that's concerned. So I'm <laughs> glad for that.
0: That's right. My uh, lock of the week, the Xavier Creighton over, fizzled and crashed yes, it, and yes, burned. Yes, it did. Whatever <laughs> other bad word you want to use.
1: I, I hope people got that. a chance to listen to the podcast. I know you put it up oh, around man. noon last week, about three hours before that game tipped. Hopefully, those of you that listen, listen sometime after 5 30. Yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, that was the case. We appreciate those listening, but hopefully, that's when you listen to the podcast.
0: Yeah. On the pick em side of things, I actually did okay. I went six and two last week. You go four and four. So that puts us at. Uh, 87, 85, and 3 for you. I am 84, 88, and 3. So the gap narrowing, but you're still above it does 500. Uh, we got
1: college football. We got NFL that we have to guess on. We got all kinds of things here.
0: We got some good stuff here this week, and it starts with that UC Georgia Bowl game Friday at noon. We've got Georgia against Cincinnati. The Bulldogs are a 6.5-point favorite. The total is 50 and the hook. I, I just – Look, I watched
1: Georgia play Kentucky and they had a hard time moving the football and yeah, they were in between quarterbacks and JT Daniels is kind of taking the bull by the horns. But I think UC is just plain legit and I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to stick to my guns on that. I'm going to go UC with the outright win here. I'm going to go Bearcats 23-21 UC.
0: So UC outright in the <laughs> under for me. You got to be kidding. Uh, So I've got UC 24, Georgia 21. I'm right there with you. Isn't it funny, though? Because when I was putting that together, the, the, the game I could not get out of my mind was Georgia, Kentucky. Right. I could not because I saw how bad, inconsistent that Kentucky team was for most of the year and to see them not move the ball against that Kentucky team was just crazy to me.
1: Yeah. Now I will say in Georgia's defense that day, they were missing a bunch of guys and it was almost as if Kirby smart said, I'm getting a lead. And when I get the lead, I'm taking the foot off the gas pedal. Let's just get this win and get the hell out of town and call it a day. Cause I think the next week they played Florida, Georgia, they did. um, And, and, um,
0: and they got smacked in the second half. They got smacked.
1: So yeah, that, and that's, sticks with me too so i mean J.T. daniels has been better but i just i'm going back to i just believe uc's legit i'm gonna stick with my guns on uc being legit i hope yeah. i'm right
0: well i mean look it, it, he's they've struggled against like big time cornerbacks and guess what uc has like nfl quality secondary so right, right. I, it's not like they're getting a drop off in, in talent in, in that regard so I just don't see anything Georgia's done that really impresses me this year. They've piled up wins, but when the, you know when they played Alabama, they got smacked. We're never really in the game. When they played Florida, they got smacked. We're never really in the game. I mean, wins over Mississippi State that by by a touchdown. Um, yeah, they beat up on South Carolina and Missouri to end of the season. So what? I think Cincinnati would have done that too. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you in terms of that score. So we're both on UC and the under. And that takes us to Friday at 4 p.m. We've got Notre Dame playing Alabama in the first semifinal game. Alabama is a 20-point favorite in this one. The total is 65 in the hook. I,
1: I Alabama names its score. In my opinion, I'm going to go Alabama 49, Notre Dame 17. Uh, so I got actually, I so I got Alabama in the over. The Alabama offense is just so spectacular; it's insane. Um, I just don't see Notre Dame slowing them down. Um, and honestly, I think Notre Dame is going to have to run the ball effectively. I just don't know if they will be able to, um, they get in third and sevens in this game and they're just not going to be able to convert enough in my opinion. So, um, you know, Notre Dame's Notre Dame's a nice team. I don't know if they're one of the ones that belongs ahead of A&M or UC or whatever, um, and, and I think this is And usually each year we get one of the blowouts in one of the the semifinal games. I think this is the blowout we get. I'm, i I think Alabama's an easy winner in this one. The, the, the 20 is, I may even reverse tease that up to 26 for goodness sakes. So, wow. um, yeah, I, I just think Alabama rolls
0: 20 just is such a big number in this game. And I, I don't believe in Notre Dame and I understand what nerd, I think Notre Dame's averaging like 21 point losses in the college football playoff or more. So, I mean, it's, I get it. They they stink, and Alabama is definitely the better team. I'm going to take Alabama to cover the spread. I'm going 38-17. My my bigger concern is that Notre Dame knows they can't keep pace with Alabama, and they're going to try to clock control. Uh, they're going to try to run as much as they can. They're going to try to throw to tight ends. And while their defense can't stop Alabama, it's it's a pretty good defense overall in college football. So yeah, no, I um, agree with that. But this offense is absurd. It, it is really good, but I'm j- I'm going to go. Under for those reasons that I mentioned. So 38-17, you're 49-17. We're both on Alabama. You've got the over, I've got the under.
1: Yeah, and Rick, I don't know if this was a great year in the SEC by any stretch. I don't. I think it was a, it was an, an okay year, and even by an okay yeah, standard, I, the SEC is really good. But against SEC-only competition, think about this for a second. Against SEC-only competition, Alabama averaged 544 yards and 50 points a game.
0: And, and that matters. I'm not I'm not taking anything away from it. Their offense is awesome. But I would also say the biggest thing lacking in the SEC this year was the elite SEC defenses that we typically right. see. Like that, people yes, made such that, a big a deal point. out of Georgia's defense. It wasn't that damn no, it, good. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. You know, Florida's defense was absolute garbage. Terrible. Yes, yeah. agree. So, I mean, the better teams in the conference weren't that good defensively. So I, I, I take, you know – Alabama is really good offensively. I'm not trying to take anything away from that, but I think those numbers to a certain extent have to be tempered a little bit.
1: Yeah, to a certain extent, but it's not like they put up 56 on the Citadel one week no. and you know, 61 on Presbyterian another week, right? It was like all against SEC teams.
0: That is true. All right, Friday, 8 p.m., second semifinal game. We've got Ohio State and Clemson. Clemson is the seven-point favorite in this one. 66 and a half is the total.
1: Yeah, I get Ohio State being angry and, and whatnot at, at Dabo and, and that's all well and good. I just don't think the Ohio State defense is going to be able to, to stop Trevor Lawrence and company. Um, this, to me, it, this is not blowout territory, I guess, but I'm still going to stick with a pretty high number here. I'm going to go Clemson 41-24. The Ohio State offense is very capable, very good, but um, I'll be honest, since that, that double overtime loss to Notre Dame um, down the stretch, and they didn't play, you know, all great teams, but actually Pitt was playing pretty good football when they played them. Gave up seventeen to Pitt, ten to Virginia Tech, ten to Notre Dame. Kind of got the defense riding for Clemson. Trevor Lawrence being back, you know they're going to put up points. And I just don't think Ohio State uh, will get enough stops in this game. And while I do think the Ohio State offense is really good, I think you saw in the Northwestern game there's potential for here cups. I know they were missing guys. I know you know missing Chris Olave was huge. I know missing some offensive linemen were huge, etc. Um, but I just think Clemson. It's it, it, to me this 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 season has all been about. Alabama Clemson and they're the two best teams and there's a line of demarcation there and the drop off to whoever else you want to put third fourth fifth sixth seventh eighth ninth including UC is is vast
0: so you're Clemson and the under you have the total there at 65 just under the 66 and a half just
1: just on just on the they they take a knee at the end down at the eight yard line you're like (laughs) what are you doing
0: and and that's where we are vastly different here I have the total at 80 points so I think this is a big overplay uh, I agree with you that I think Clemson will score a ton of points against this Ohio State defense. I think it is basically uh, they'll score as many points as they need to to win the game, though. I Maybe I'm just being hopeful for the game that I want to see, and I don't know why I care because I'm going to be calling an NKU game while it's being played anyway to start. <laughs> but I, the game I'm hoping to see is Justin Fields in a shootout with Trevor Lawrence, and I think he's capable of that. I think this OSU offense is capable of that. I'm going 42 38. So Clemson gets the outright win, but Ohio state covers the spread and it hits the over. If we get that game, it would be unbelievable an instant classic. Uh, But I get why you have your doubts.
1: (laughs) I I may do a three team reverse teaser, Alabama, Clemson and UC.
0: Oh, I don't hate that. I like that. All right. Saturday at noon, we've got Kentucky playing NC state in the God knows what bowl. That one is, um, to Kentucky is a two point favorite it's 50 and a half as the total.
1: You know it's funny, I don't even know what Bowen is. Is it the tax slayer? hell I don't even know I, but it is I do not
0: guy. know and I do not care.
1: Okay, so what does this say about NC State? Eight and three NC State is a two and a half point underdog to four and six Kentucky. Yeah. Now some I, of it tells I mean, me that when you look at some of the results for NC State, you realize the eight and three comes with some question marks. Uh, got blown out by Carolina gave up, uh, lost uh, gave up 44 and a loss to Miami of Florida. Um, lost to Virginia Tech, which ended up not having a good team and gave up 45 there. Um, they've got some really close wins. Beat barely beat, beat Syracuse, beat Wake, beat Wake Forest by three, beat Syracuse by seven, beat a Liberty team by one, but only by one. I mean, it's Liberty for goodness sakes. It's you know, you, the ACC 15 be points on them. you
0: know,
1: you know slug through away, went over Georgia Tech. Um, from yeah, it is the tax layer bowl, by the way. Um, from all I know that Kentucky, they wanted to be here. They wanted to play in a bowl. They wanted the extra weeks of practice. They they wanted to kind of finish this season off right after playing, um, you know, uh, an SEC schedule, a full SEC schedule, as opposed to what usually is is three guaranteed wins and then a 50-50 game with Louisville outside the league, which usually gets them to the 8-4 and four record. Um, I, I think Kentucky wins this game handily. I'll go Kentucky 27, NC State 17.
0: So you have got Kentucky Kentucky and the under. under. I like uh, the under as well. I'm biased. I hate this Kentucky team. They cost me all season long. I could not figure them out. So I'm probably not the best person to go off of here. Um, But I like NC State to win this game outright. Kentucky just threw up so many garbage performances throughout the year. And I watched that NC State-Miami game. I think back to that where they scored all the points. Miami's defense isn't very good. No, it's terrible. I mean, um,
1: remember what they did to Carolina. Remember what Carolina did to them on the ground, the 300-yard rusher and the 200-yard rusher?
0: Yes, yes. But still, I mean, Kentucky is garbage, too, in my opinion. I'm going NC State 28, Kentucky 21. So that's NC State and the under. We're both on the under. You've got Kentucky. I've got NC State. So that takes us to NFL Sunday where we have – All the games this week are on Sunday. No primetime Thursday night, no Monday night, no Saturday games. None of that. It's all on Sunday. So just an unbelievable day of betting. If you want to do parlays, teasers, whatever. We've got Sunday 1 p.m. Ravens at Bengals. Ravens are 13 point favorite. The total is 44 in the hook.
1: Yeah, I just um, I think that's just too big of a number. I I know Baltimore's playing great. Um, I, I think the Bengals have a little bit of confidence coming into this game and um, they're able to, to, to kind of hang around. Um, I'm going to go, this is going to be right on on the number here. I'm going to go Ravens 27, Bengals 17. So the Bengals and the under, if it's 44 and a hook.
0: Yeah, 44 and the hook. you got it right at 44. Yep. So you're staying under, but barely not confident in that total call. I just can't get past the first game we saw between these two. Fair teams. enough. You're going to take Joe Burrow away. I think the offensive line is playing better, but I, I don't really believe how much better. So uh, we'll see what this four team looks 4-0 no, like. hey,
1: four, four no with Fred Johnson starting at tackle. Remember it,
0: that at all times. It's a great stat. It's a great stat. But I just, you know, if 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 they do it against the Ravens, a uh, Ravens team that has something to play for, I'll, I'll be impressed. But I, I, I don't see it happening. 35-14 is my total. Ravens and the over for me. And that brings us to Sunday night 820. We've got Washington at Philadelphia. Washington is a one and a half point favorite. The total is 43 in the hook.
1: This is a hard one for me because the football team obviously has everything to play for. Division title on the line. Um, you know, they win. They're they're the they're the champs with a seven and nine
0: record. Two uh, crappy Eagles, teams, a lot right. on the line, and they seem fairly evenly matched.
1: Yeah, and and the Eagles, um, you know, offensively, I think Jalen Hurts has done a pretty nice job. Defensively, they're they're a train wreck, but football teams may be playing Taylor Heineke at quarterback. And if you'd have told me who he was three weeks ago, I would have had no idea who the world he was. Um, you know, maybe Alex Smith does play. I think that's why this is tough to handicap, because I think if Alex Smith plays, he's the perfect one to engineer and, and kind of massage their way to a victory. But if he doesn't, I think I think the Eagles – Um, They don't have anything to play for other than the spoiler, but Jalen Hurts has a lot to play for to continue to prove. He's the number one quarterback there in Philadelphia. So I'm going to take the Eagles 24-20. So for me, Eagles and the over in this one.
0: (laughs) I have a very similar score, just flip-flopped here. I've got Washington football team 24, Philadelphia Eagles 21. Like, I mean, you laid it out there perfectly. I don't know what else I can add. This game is an absolute cluster I think it's actually going to be a good in terms of competitive football game. I don't know if the quality of football will be all that great, but uh, I I think it's going to be close. So I don't know. I'd probably stay away from this one if I were betting. And
1: and I swear as, as, as Cincinnati sports fan, the karma of it is Dallas beats the giants football team loses. And we're all watching Andy Dalton in the playoffs.
0: That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Can I, can I point out one thing that I, I thought about as I was typing this game out today? Can we just take a moment to recognize how natural and normal it's become for people to say Washington football team?
1: Yes. I I, I just love just saying football team. I just yeah, love
0: it. It's, rem- it's the best. Remember at the beginning of the year, how it was like so awkward and people made fun of it and they couldn't like say it without making a joke. And now, commentators all the time on ESPN, like talking heads are just letting football team roll off their tongue in conversation. No, it,
1: you know, it's funny er, really early in the, it was one of those headlines on ESPNs, the ESPN.com, one of those little side headlines where they're really short. Right. And they're trying to, trying to get you to click real quick. And I saw WFT colon. And it was something, something didn't even name a player or whatever. So I didn't even know what it was in my mind. I, I thought it was WTF, the short for what we know that stands for. I'm like, Oh, what is this? This is interesting. I went, W- oh, WFT, Washington Football Team, you <laughs> idiot! So, yeah, I mean, so it, it it's it it is. It's become natural to do it to even look now and see, you know, WFT, Washington Football Team, and just say football team. It's. I think people do it just because of how absurd it is, to be quite frank.
0: Well, at the beginning, that was the thing. I mean, really, media members just could not pass up the opportunity to giggle or make a joke at it when they said it or pointed out that it was how dumb it was or awkward. But now, I mean, it said casually and normally all the time and i just think that's funny how it's like become completely accepted i could see it totally sticking and no one ever thinking anything of it again
1: yeah no, no question all right i got a three-team teaser of the week and it's 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 a toughy for me man because you you don't know who all's in who all's out who's up who's down who's sideways who's playing who's not all of those crazy things um so i'm gonna do the first one i'm gonna do is the bears up to 11 and a half um, they've obviously got a lot to play for, um, and they're playing well. Um, you know, I don't know at what point does Green Bay take its foot off the gas pedal? Perhaps. Um, I know they've got things to play for too, but I, I just think the Bears are playing really well right now. They've they've found a, a nice combination with David Montgomery and then Mitch Trubisky. Even though he does make the occasional mistake, still has been uh, has been really good. At least good enough to win games. So for me, I'm going to go with the Bears up to 11 and a half. I'm taking the Bengals all the way up to 19 and a half. It's a six and a half point teaser. And lastly, and I just had it and I just lost it. So give me a second. Oh, and then I'm going to take the uh, Giants up to eight and a half. I I think that game stays close. I do think the Cowboys win it, but I'm getting a touchdown plus for a team that still has something to play for too. And the Giants, um, not a lot, but something a little bit to play for. I'm going to take them up to
0: eight and a half. So that's my three team teaser of the week. So there you go. You got Bears 11.5, Bengals 19.5, Giants 8.5, three-team teaser from Skinny. I think I'm just going to do a two-teamer. Go maybe two units on this if you want. I'm going to go Cincinnati up to 13.5. Or no, I'm sorry, up to 12.5. They're at 6.5 now. This would take them up to 12.5. And I'll go Ohio State up to 13.
1: Can I book that bet for you?
0: Yes, yes, you can.
1: I just don't see Ohio State hanging around Clemson. I'm sorry, I just don't.
0: That's I that's hope for the Ohio
1: State fans I'm completely wrong. I hope I'm wrong.
0: I, I mean I, I think Ohio State's offense is pretty good. I don't I mean Clemson is, is the better team overall, but I don't know their defense is exactly dominant, so
1: I think they're rolling at the right time. We'll see. Yep, we'll see. Exactly. That's why you put your money where your mouth is, right?
0: That's right. Ask skinny anything. Let's get, get into it. We've got a, a few extra ones in this one since the new year's edition. We'll start with some sports questions. Like always this one, a local basketball question, just skinny. Think Dante Allen sticks it out at UK. And if not, are the Norse a potential option and fit?
1: I think it'd be a great fit to be honest with you. Um, Listen, I get the angst over, you know, Cal not playing a Kentucky kid and and Dante, the fact that he can shoot it. It's a team that struggles to shoot it. But there's so much more, as you know, Rick, that goes into playing the game. I mean, there just is. And trust me, I don't think Cal's doing this out of spite and out of digging his heels in because he hears fans clamoring for it. I think if he thought Dante Allen could help him win games, he'd put Dante Allen in the game. I I think NKU'd be a great fit for him. He's not a great defensive player. His motor's not always going 1,000 miles an hour um i think being kind of local and playing at that level is just about perfect for him i think he's he's probably better suited to being a three than he is to be in a two um and you know you can argue six one half dozen the other but i think at the nku's level him with his length as a three um is, is a good fit he can i think he, he can score i mean there's no question i think he goes that level and he's an 18 to 22 point per game kid i really believe that you're gonna have to look live with some of the defensive deficiencies cal's not willing to do that i get it i mean he's playing at a higher level and he's not willing to, to, to deal with that so I, I think it is i think he'd be a great fit for for nku what do you think
0: i don't know the kid personally at all i have no idea you know if it, if it means a lot for him to be on that uk team for a few more years like it did for a kid like Derek willis you know or if he he'd much rather just get on the court somewhere else earlier in his career so i have no clue if he's considering leaving UK or if you will, after this year or anything. Yeah. And like I don't,
1: and I don't know that. E- I don't know that either, but yeah. I, mean,
0: I based in, on the question in today's college basketball landscape, I'd be surprised if he doesn't get looks from other high majors, major that aren't Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. Just because yeah. I mean like he was getting recruited at a high level before he committed to Kentucky. It wasn't like uh, you know, a, a Dominique Hawkins situation where Cal said, okay, at the last second, let me go offer this kid a, Uh, this local kid a scholarship because we have some extra room and I want to have a local kid on the roster I mean like you know they they were recruiting against schools like Xavier and uh, I believe Louisville had offered too I mean I I think it was a a pretty high level recruitment there at the end so I my guess would be you'd see a couple other regional teams reach out first that are at a little bit higher level that's not to say NKU wouldn't be the best fit for him but you know we'll see i, I thought that that one has a long way to go still
1: yeah it does but it's i it's think it's an interesting question to pose at this time because it's obviously come up because he's not playing
0: right yeah it makes sense uh so saw you tweet this is referring to a tweet i had saw you tweet about adrian broner Br- 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 returning to boxing do you guys actually care will he still be worth watching
1: yeah i'm not a huge boxing fan as you know i mean he's he's obviously relevant because he's a local kid so i'm going to i'm going to defer that question to you rick
0: So I guess it depends on who his first match will be against. If this is a soft landing spot for him to get back into the mix and really try to do this, I don't think it'll be very interesting. If it's an actual fight, that's going to be an interesting fight. And he's he's trying to make a splash and get a big payday, which is definitely a possibility. He's always been about trying to make the most money possible. And he, he may need the money for all I know, considering this is the fourth time he's come out of retirement now, I believe. Uh, I, yeah, I'd be interested in watching. Yeah, that it, fight. It's, it's,
1: it's usually, that's the motivator for coming out of retirement. For goodness sake, I mean, there's, the money. There, yeah, there's I mean, no other motivator probably.
0: Yeah. And granted, I mean, we've talked about it before. This is, it, it's a last chance profession. So some of these guys just don't know what else to do with themselves. He, uh, had a very honest social media post where he said he was 35, 40 pounds overweight and drinking at first thing when he woke up in the morning, he says he's off the alcohol. He's lost a bunch of weight. And he's been working it, working out, and taking it seriously again. So, the guy's talented. He's a great defensive boxer. He was never the most exciting boxer to watch to begin with because his style is more like a Floyd Mayweather, who's more defensive and quick with his his defense than he is uh, an explosive puncher. But, uh, like I said, if it's a good if it's a good matchup, I'll watch it. Uh, if he's just trying to find a soft landing spot so he can get his feet wet again and get back into it, no, nah, I probably won't really care. So
1: yeah, and it's always—I mean, listen—such a rich tradition of boxing in Cincinnati, and and um, you know he's kind of the latest in a long line of that. There's actually another kid that was in the Pan Am Games this past year that's probably next. Um, right or wrong, it's always good to watch the local guy. I mean, uh, growing up watching Aaron Pryor in an era of Sugar Ray Leonard and great heavyweights, um, it was always cool because a the Hawk was unbelievable but also it always was cool that he's fighting for a world title from Cincinnati that was always cool so
0: yeah and Broner's always made headlines I mean he's always been a big deal and, and been a character which is what you need in boxing the problem is uh, you know at a certain point he, he kind of fell off in terms of his skill and it was just more about him making headlines after they, he lost right, fights. right so uh, what are your personal favorite ballpark stadiums or arenas to cover a game at for both of you Who has the best local arena stadium ballpark?
1: I'm a big Centos fan, but growing up, I love Freedom Hall. I I just I it was just it was the perfect fit for basketball um in Louisville. Yeah. it just felt like it always the perfect fit. Just it was big enough. Um it was it was cozy enough. Um I I just I don't know why. I just always love Freedom Hall, but I I I love the CentOS Center. I think it's a it's a perfect size for Xavier. Um it's comfortable. Uh, It's loud, um, just from a basketball perspective there. Um, Football stadium-wise, Arrowhead's so unique and interesting to me because you're nine miles up looking down on that field, and it's just – it's just a beautiful setting for whatever reason. I I I love that that stadium uh, a lot. And then ballpark wise, I mean, for me, there's I, I, there's nothing like Wrigley Field. I've not been to Fenway. I've driven past Fenway a few times when I've covered games in at New England when the Bengals have played up there. But I've never had time to literally stop to to walk around Fenway. And I've not been in Fenway. I had a friend of mine that actually, um, had seats on top of the Green Monster and had pictures from it. And and I mean, honestly, he was he was so giddy about that that. Uh, you know he it, it felt like a little kid um and he was an adult so I, I can imagine what that experience is like so yeah for me the one that I've been in is clearly clearly Wrigley Field for me
0: for me it's Madison Square Garden without question
1: and I've been there covered a game too and I'm kind of with you that's a good that's a that's a great call Rick yeah. just because you know the the history of it and then even the history of it but when you're in there it's like I went there as a kid when I was seven years old to see a Knicks Cavaliers game um uh, when I lived in New York, and then I've covered some games there as you have as well. I'm that's a good call too. Uh, Madison Square Garden is just it's it is a mecca.
0: Well, and you know the history, but at the same time, it's not like some old barn right. dump like Hankel uh, Fieldhouse that everybody loves, which I d- don't get. It is a palace. I mean, they put a billion dollars into renovating the place without building any structure, like just making things nicer. Putting a billion dollars, I mean, it, it's unbelievable. So. Uh, yeah, I, I love Madison Square Garden. That would be, without a doubt, my favorite. If we're talking local, I think uh, people are going to call it a homer pick, but I think Centos is really hard to beat locally. Oh, uh, I love it. I, I, I think it's fabulous. I think there's not a bad seat from a fan's perspective. They and I think BB,
1: and, and BB&T is close to that, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, bb t is the stripped-down version. The thing right. that Xavier's done is they just do something every year to update the place and keep it new and fresh. I mean, adding the craft... Beer bars to the top and the tech deck that they added on the one side and the different painting and the sort of smoky atmosphere and the offset lighting they have going now like it looks cool on game day i think it's really good it would to me if we're if we're combining all of them and trying to rank who has number one out of the facilities i think it's either Xavier, Great American Ballpark and I probably yeah, Great I, American Ballpark. No,
1: I, and that's funny you say that cuz Great American Ballpark is awesome. It's it, awesome. And I, and I grew up in the Riverfront Stadium era and it's my childhood and all those things, right? Um and it's hard for me to get past it even though it was just a cookie cutter generic thing. I mean, we had season tickets for the Bengals. I went to a ton of Reds games as a kid, all the, you know, the big red machine, all that stuff. But Great American ballpark is what a baseball stadium should be. That's yes. it's just it's
0: perfect. And like the Centaw Center, they do a great job of keeping it fresh, updating it. It's always clean, it's always got new things going on. the food and, and other stuff that they have there is, is high quality. They do a great job. I mean, that's it's probably the best. It'll be interesting to see where FC Cincinnati stacks up when that right. thing's finished. Right. That that right. play, I mean, the, the plans do look cool. So um, I'll be interested to see how that turns out.
1: And I'll be interested to see if they can score three goals next year. That's what I'm interested in.
0: Well, I mean, as long as they're not in the first half, so I can make, an, <laughs> can make another Make house. the first half, yeah, yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. Good call. All right. Uh, with the sports card collectible industry skyrocketing again, what sports cards does Skinny have of real value? Did he ever collect pop bottles as a kid and take to the store and get deposits to purchase cards or any other weird scheme to buy cards? Uh, does it? Did this person do this with me? Because it's, I absolutely did that. I absolutely did that well based um, off of who asked the question he very well might have
1: yeah I mean it was uh, honestly I did that a lot because back then it was literally a quarter for a pack of cards and I remember uh, a lot of times my dad would give my sister and I a dollar on Sunday mornings and we lived in Florence at the time and there was a it's on 40 route 42 right now it's it used to be a stop and go I don't even it's a, it's still a kind of a convenience store I don't even know what it is it's at the corner of hopeful road and uh, in 42 there, and we can walk from our house in, in three minutes. And so every, every Sunday I'd walk up by, uh, by a pack of jawbreakers, those little, the little box of jawbreakers and three packs of cards. And, um, uh, it, when I needed more cards, I would take pop bottles and, and get my money for those and turn them into cards. And yeah, I've got a, I've got a huge baseball card collection. I, it's funny. He said that I didn't know the card industry was going again. That'd be great because I started to catalog all my cards. I mean, I got cards back to the sixties. I've got, uh, I've got like 15 Robin Yout rookie cards, about 20 Ozzy Smith rookie cards, about 15 George Brett rookie cards. Now, not all of them are in mint condition by any stretch. I've got a Cal Ripken rookie card. I've got my prize possession from Steve Walter of Sports Investments, a Tony Gwynn rookie card. Um, I got a lot of, I got all the Big Red Machine teams cards. So, yeah, I was, a, I was a big card collector back then. And yeah, sometimes you had to turn your pop bottle money into to get those cards
0: the industry has blown up all of a sudden again I the did internet not know obviously that. helping that eBay has become big for it now I will say that the junk wax era as they call that where you know the the crappier cards that we had that they made a billion of and um you know they're all dog-eared and stuff like that those aren't exactly the things that are huge now there's now there's right. still some I mean because the whole industry is booming that there's some value in those still but they're big into those uh you know those bigger nicer PSA graded cards that are in the cases and all of that stuff that that's the big thing it's almost become like another form of gambling like people buy a bunch of rookie cards of a guy they like right buy low sell high. Right, they wait a year or two, hope he blows up, and then they try to sell them at you know a four or five x profit off of what they originally paid. But I mean, sometimes the original purchase price of the cards are in the thousands of dollars, so you know it's it's a different world from what we were doing when we were doing the whole sports card collectible. But it is kind of cool to see it make a little bit of a comeback. I, I will say my probably
1: my most cl- prized collectible, and it's probably not worth more than a hundred dollars if I put it on eBay. But I do have. Um, cause my uncle was, was friends with the original PR director for the Bengals media relations director, Al Haim. They were, they were old drinking buddies. And he, I used to have a, I've got a ton of Bengals memorabilia from the early days. I've got three prize Bengals possessions. I've got a signed football from the original 1968 Bengals. that has Paul Brown's autograph on it. I have a real Bengals football helmet worn by a guy named Monk Williams, who was a tiny kickoff returner in that original season in 1968, a real Bengals helmet. And I've got um, all the AFC media guys from that first 1968 season, and they're, they're in a case. They have been flipped through, and the pages are a little thin, and that's why I said I don't know what I would get for them, and I'm still not sure I would sell them. But I have a handful of prize collectibles like that. I'm not a big collectible guy, but the ones I have, I've, I've kept for a pretty good period of time.
0: I have no idea if there's any value to this thing, but I had a, a friend's dad who I believe he worked in the public for a publishing company or was an agent for somebody or something that was involved with the publishing company or Ken Griffey Jr. But anyway, they had uh, done some book for Ken Griffey Jr. It was like this these photos, like uh, uh, personal candid shots, a lot of stuff like that and uh, quotes from him and all types of different stuff kind of not a biography exactly but a lot of background type stuff and just kind of this cool book it was different from what people were doing at the time and it got whacked for some reason some rights reason or something like that or he didn't want it out there or whatever so it got whacked and there were like I don't know four copies of it and that they had made I mean because they were like ready to print this thing. They were in the proofing stages. And uh my friend's dad for some reason just knew I was like a big sports fan at the time and gave it to me for my birthday. Um and then like years later he was like, hey, do you still have that thing? Like hold on to it because he's like, there's only like four of those that exist. Wow. So so yeah, like I have no idea if there's actually any value to that, but it's now that I'm thinking with Griffey being the Hall of Fame and stuff. I wonder if there's like is, you know, if that's a thing, I, no I, I would
1: tell, I would tell anybody this and I, I'm not pimping his business by any stretch of the imagination. He's not paying me anything for this, but Steve Walter at sports investments really is a gem and he, he's a, he's a, his family's nice people. They're, they're all great people. I, I if you wanted an honest, probably appraisal of something, that would be the guy I would go to.
0: Yeah. And I don't think that's really worth anything. It's more just like, if there was a Griffy a Griffey, a Griffey it, collector the, out there, he right. might care, you know, like, and I'll, be,
1: I'll, I'll bet you there is. I'll bet you there is.
0: Yeah. It's just because it's, it's something unique, but uh, anyway, a weird question coming from our girl, Lindsay Patterson. I don't know if there's a backstory okay. to this or if she's just letting it fly on a new year's Eve episode. What's your favorite zoo animal?
1: <laughs> she's a big Fiona fan as is. Catherine terrell so it's not it um, gotcha a little inside yeah, joke there. yeah a little inside joke there yeah i i i, I hate fiona um it, it, it's, that's, a hip, you know, skinny, it's a you know it's a hippo for goodness skinny, sake. Why, why do we fall in love with a hippo
0: that's really shocking to hear that you hate something that brought joy to the entire uh greater cincinnati area
1: did you even care did you really care
0: no i i certainly didn't Thank but i you. I'm, Thank you. I'm not, i don't hate her i don't hate fiona. you know she seems relatively cute and a fat blubbery kind of way
1: yeah exactly um yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go uh I, i'm gonna go the bengal tigers a- anytime you go that tiger thing where you walk across that bridge and look down on them i, I th- those to me are still they're incredible to see in a, in a i can imagine in the wild what it would be but to see them in a zoo setting is still pretty majestic
0: badass i agree with that uh, the any uh, most of the cats the tiger ones are the best probably um but also the silverback gorillas are pretty damn cool.
1: Yeah, and I that was gonna be my that was gonna be my next one. Yeah, they, they are too. They're, they're just so impressive to watch. Just how they kind of take care of each other, and and that they know who the who the who the main dude is, for lack of yeah. a better term. It's and, it is pretty incredible to watch.
0: And how like the little kids will just be slapping the hell out of the the grownups and swinging on. And I'm like, that's like a. That would probably knock me out if a, a monkey hit me that hard. Like, I mean, you, you see them hit their parents, and it's like wh- that's not very polite, and the parents just aren't even faced. They're like, whatever. That's just the life of a silverback gorilla parent. But all right, um, what is Skinny's New Year's resolution for himself, for Cincinnati sports, and for Rick? In parentheses, time to air your grievances with Rick and give him a resolution to live by.
1: Um all right so i'll go for myself i i I, I think we talked about this, but i'm not a big resolution guy
0: no me neither. Um,
1: i guess for me it's always just to be more organized I, I think i'm organized but i'm i'm organized on my time frame for lack of a better term like i have to have a deadline to get anything done and i wish i wasn't that way i wish i could just look at something i mean like i don't know rick if you've done this yet and i'm probably putting a bug in your ear but as you know we had to do these three um
0: I got a text from our uh, boss. I know exactly what you're going to say. I got a text from our boss. Right yeah. before We did the podcast after yeah, my- we,
1: had, well, we had to do these three cyber training modules. And um, yeah. so yes, I had a little bit of time. I'm down. As I mentioned, I'm down here broadcasting some basketball. So I had a little bit of time yesterday before uh, some work stuff that I had to do. And before I had to leave for the game. So I'm like, you know what? Let me at least knock one of these out. Well, it turned out they're not very long. It only one six minutes, one's 15 minutes, one's 12 minutes. So honestly, if you had not done those yet, um they're, they're really, they won't take you very long and they're actually quite simplistic, but I'm, I, I literally, we have to have them done by the end of the day today. At least that's what they tell us. And so I kind of waited to the last minute. I do that with a lot of things. Um, but you know, maybe that's just the way I'm wired. And, you know, I thank goodness. I guess I'm in a deadline business cause I, I need deadlines. So I, I'll go for me. I just, I'd like to be more organized and, and get stuff done a little bit more ahead of time.
0: I, I don't think that's unique. What about for, no, uh, what about for Cincinnati sports?
1: Um, I don't know what the resolution would be other than it's time to win, man. It's time to win something.
0: Yeah. I mean, where, where it, else the I mean, just a
1: fairness? That, can we win right? something? Yeah. Where I mean, FC, else could you go? Right. FC Cincinnati sucks. It feels like the Bengals are reverting back to the nineties. Although you have some hope with Joe Burrow. Um, the Reds teased us a little bit by going to the playoffs, but if you know, they don't improve their club, I think you and I are both in the agreement. They're not going to be any better and pro- maybe even take a step backwards. FC Cincinnati can't score a goal. Um, U C gets shut out of the playoffs despite having a magical season and 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 potential to finish undefeated. So yeah, win something. I think we deserve to finally win something. I, I don't know. If that's a resolution. Other than it's it just it feels in the interest of fairness, we deserve to win something.
0: I agree. And do you have a a new a New Year's resolution for me that this person requested? Um. I, or just I, an airing of grievances. I don't even have an airing of grievances.
1: I enjoy doing the podcast with you. I enjoy the fact that we differ on our opinions. Um, I don't mind you being hardheaded and stupid on some topics. <laughs> no, I, I don't mind you being hard-headed on topics. I don't agree with you. I, I know you don't agree with me. And I think that's what makes a, a good podcast or a good talk show, for goodness sakes. You don't need everybody to agree on everything. Um, so I, I, I don't. Um, trying to think if there's anything I can think of off the top of my head, Uh, I I guess it would be to like golf a little more than you do.
0: Just, just like it. (laughs) Go out and start playing some golf. So yeah, have better golf conversations on the podcast. Yeah. So
1: maybe that, maybe that would be it. I'll I'll go, I'll go with just, just, just try to enjoy golf a little. I'm
0: not asking for a lot. That's, that's a pretty good one. Um, I think the final question here. Yeah. This is the last one. Did you see the twisted tea video? Do you know what that I, is?
1: I did not. So I know twisted Tea. I did not see the video. So fill me in so maybe I can I can give an answer to this.
0: Okay. Yeah. There was a, a guy. Um this actually happened in Elyria, Ohio. There was a, a white gentleman who appeared to be intoxicated, maybe on other things, um, at the at the counter yelling the n-word when this video starts at a a black gentleman behind him and he continues to to say the n-word and and then weirdly tells him i'm not trying to disrespect you but i i'm just gonna say the n-word um and and by the way he's like he thinks he's like in a rap music video or something like he's got six pants sagging and everything it's it's not like he was doing this from a how 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 old was my how old was my man uh mid-20s i'm gonna guess Okay. okay okay all right okay yeah And so eventually, pull your pants up. (laughs) The gentleman has his uh, behind him has a twisted T in his hand. That's what he's waiting in line to buy. And the the white guy says, are you going to smack me with that? Go ahead, smack me. And at that moment, the guy drops his twisted T on the ground. The white guy goes to kick the twisted T. And right at that moment, the black dude picks it up and hits him with the fist of God and explodes the twisted tea right in this dude's face. Like, was right it a can? Of? Was it a eyes. can of it or yeah, a bottle? One the, I, I, no, one of the, like the sixteen or like eighteen ounce cans or whatever they yeah, are. They're like tall. Okay, because I said
1: I, I, I'm not sure I've seen it in bottles. I've just seen it in cans. And he the can exploded.
0: Exploded on his face. Like wow. just, It was unbelievable. And then the guy gets up, ready to like fight. And so the black dude throws him on the ground and punches him in the face about ten more times. And uh, until he says, "You've had enough." And the guy's like, "Yeah." And they go on their way. No one reported it. No one was arrested. Nothing happened. Good. So, good. Anyway,
1: good. Good for good for the fact that he was not arrested. No one reported it. Put this dumb, loudmouth in his place. I love yeah. it. I yeah. love it.
0: Yes. The the memes that resulted from it were amazing. Um, you know, people. Uh, doing things like tweeting uh, twisted tees in their glove compartment and saying when the cops pull me over and ask if i'm carrying any weapons on me things like that so that's good
1: uh, that's funny that's yeah uh, i that 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 makes me laugh because yeah, yeah that, that's was a, good
0: it was a great week to be in line i love how the guy phrased this question too he said thoughts on the twisted t beatdown and if skinny has witnessed any ralphs receiving a deserved beatdown for running their mouths
1: Um, yeah, I've seen a couple of those in bars where you just, you're, you're, you're waiting for it. Um, and, and, and it all of a sudden transpires and you, you, it's one of those ones you don't even want to jump in to help. Um, you just hope that the guy that's given the beat down realizes I'm going to hit you a few times and walk away. And that's, that's usually been the result of it is that's the good part. It's usually the guy that, that, that can take it, right. He just takes it and takes it and takes it and then decides I've had enough. And we'll kick your ass, but I'm not going to kick your ass to the point where you're going to have to go to the hospital or break a bone. Hopefully you'll learn your lesson. I'll move on. You'll move on. So, yeah, I've, I've witnessed a couple of those, and, and they've, they've always they're always well-deserved. I mean, there's no question they're well-deserved.
0: That's what. That's exactly what this was. There was a great moment in uh grade school on our grade school playground where we had. This, oh, I've uh, got.
1: Oh, I've got one of those. Yeah, go ahead. I, I've got one of those too. You're right.
0: Yeah, we had this big oaf dude who was rich and just just a jerk. I mean, just all the time. Didn't I? Don't even think he knew he was doing it. Probably looking back, he just was an idiot. Um, but a bad guy, and he's picking on this one kid. Uh, one day, and for whatever reason, this other guy who was a good athlete, bigger kid. I guess it just had enough for the, the kid who was getting picked on. And so we're playing football and it's, it's two hand touch because we get in trouble for tackling out on the playground and we're doing throw offs instead of kickoffs. Well, the guy, the, the big kid who's standing up for the other kid he goes, I got this. He takes the ball and he throws it directly at this big dude. who was the bully. I mean, just throws it to, I mean, not like a deep throw up in the air. I mean, throws a line drive right to the dude's chest. The guy kind of catches it. Like what the hell was that for? And on a dead sprint, untouched, unblocked, this kid just runs full speed for about 25 yards and spears him. I mean, just lays him the hell out. I don't know if they're, like, the kid had to be Taken inside after that. I I don't know if he was concussed or whatever. I don't remember what became of it. But yeah, it was just one of those amazing moments where like someone stood up to a bully in the best fashion. And it was like, that's who everyone wants to be. Like you always say in the moment you want to be that guy who does the real cool thing, stand up for someone. And I'll never forget that. It was like sixth grade. And this guy in our grade was just like, today I'm going to be that guy. Like I'm just going to stand up to the bully, even though it's not my fight. I'm just going to do it. And he laid his ass out
1: well i've got one of those two from high school um we had a guy in our class who was i mean clearly looked the geek part right he and he was he was a smart guy um had the glasses all that stuff but a great guy and everybody in our class loved the guy i mean so it wasn't like you know he was a geek that guy people in our class made fun of but it was a, a class below us had a jock who was was picking on him one day we used to have these unfortunately back in the day this we, we seemed to have a a bomb threat and you can go back and look these up back in the the, the early days. We had a bomb threat. It felt like every day. And it was after Simon Kenton. I don't know if you know the story where Simon Kenton actually did blow up due to a boiler issue and uh, a kid yeah. died. It was yeah. the year I graduated high school that happened. So then wow. for whatever reason, somebody turned that into bomb threats at our school just about every single day. So, you know, we're out in the parking lot and, and somehow, um, there was talk of this guy, this jock was going to come beat this guy up. He was picking on and picking on him. So a handful of us kind of went over to make sure that, And he said he wanted to stand up for himself. And we're like, that's fine. You do what you got to do. But we were kind of there to make sure that, listen, if this goes sideways. (laughs) We're not going to let our guy get the living daylight speed out of him. So I remember my man took his glasses off. They squared off. One punch decked the guy, and that was it. He didn't knock him out, but he knocked him to the ground. At that point, kind of everybody got in between because it was like, yeah, you know what? You deserved it, loudmouth, and and it's over. You're not getting even a chance for retaliation (laughs) at this stage of the game. So um, I, I, I rather enjoyed that myself.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's the best it's it's and that's that was why this moment was so good, because like the person filming it was just like, yep, you got what was coming to you. The cashier didn't call the cops and was like, nope, we're all good. We don't need to report Uh, this assault. I love it. The guy who got his ass beat just knew like, I'm going to have to take my L on this one because I thought I was a super thug. And it turns out I'm kind of soft. And the whole entire Internet just dunked on him for a week. So I think
1: it's great. I think it's great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Is that it? That's it. All right. Good stuff. Hey, happy new year to everybody. We'll be talking to you in the new year. There is no doubt 2021 has got to be better than 2020. Um, I think we can all agree with that. So here's to better things in, in 2021. Um, if you hear that, raise a glass and toast. I got a cup of coffee right now. I'm going to take a drink of that and toast to the, to the new year that way. Rick, have a happy new year. Be safe. Uh, and I'll, uh, I'll talk to you here uh, next week.
0: Sounds good. I want to ask you what's in that coffee.
1: Yeah, not, nothing yet. but. Uh... <laughs> Be, it could be some libations later on. For no, Rick Boring, down. I'm Richard Skinner. Happy New Year. Thanks for being with us. it the Skinny Podcast, the weekly coach for you.